welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thanks, Matt, for joining me for this conversation. Yeah, appreciate it. Good to see you again. And the last time we talked was January, I think, right? It must have been, it was a colder month. I just remember a cold bike ride here. Right. So. <laughs> and and you've been on the podca- podcast before, but that's been like a year or two ago, hasn't it? It has. I was, I was just wondering, was I on after the pandemic hit the last time I was on, or was I on like right before it? I feel like we were in this weird kind of between zone, and I can't remember if we were on before like... It must have been after we met at the park. Yeah, yeah, so it must have um, been after. But it didn't feel so much like a pandemic yet. Maybe it was toward the beginning um, anyway. But so Matt McGinnis. Yeah, good to see you again. Good to see you too. You um, have a background in swimming. I remember we talked about that last time. And you have a like a strong interest in minimalism thought we'd talk more about that anything else you want to say just to let people know who you are before we just start talking yeah, I, I think you described it well it's uh somehow i kind of became resident minimalist in st louis okay i'm not really sure how it happened but i guess there are certain life choices i made that made me resident minimalist uh i can't remember if i still had my car the last time we talked on the podcast, but I sold my car a little bit after the pandemic. And I guess people said that's kind of a, a minimalist thing to do to, to live life without a car. Yeah. And I guess it's possible in St. Louis, like in the city, um, it, it would be a lot harder, I suppose, out some rural, rural area, I guess. Right. Yeah, you're right. It's uh, sort of something that I just realized I could do. Yeah. And I, I had a situation in life where it was possible and I wasn't necessarily looking to get rid of the car so much as the pandemic hit and everybody went to this whole virtual world, virtual meeting, work from home, sitting in a living room all day. And I felt stagnant. Like I think just the inertia of it all made me feel increasingly frustrated. And I woke up one day and said, man, I really need a hobby or something to do to get out there. Right. I bought a bike and then I started reading a lot about cycling and meeting a bunch of cyclists. And a lot of them just lived without cars in the city right around me and just commuted to work or commuted to their appointments and just assessing. I said, said, yeah, this might be possible to do. I'll I'll give it a shot. And uh, I guess there's two ways to go about getting rid of a car. One is to start with a bike and own your car at the same time and just bike here and there and kind of get in the routine of it and try to use your car steadily less. And I kind of just went cold turkey. I said, it's all or nothing. Sold the car and said, okay, let's see if, I, let's see if it works. So, yeah. And you know, James, right? Like, yeah, he's yeah. without a car too. He, he actually was a catalyst for me. Was, okay. uh, he and I went hiking. It was after, I think it was after we had our podcast Okay. and I picked him up at his place Mm-hmm. And he told me that he lived car free and mm-hmm. I kind of picked his brain a little bit about it. I said, well, how do you, you know, do X appointments to the doctor? And he said, well, I just ride my bike or I take the bus. Mm-hmm. I said, does the bus go everywhere? And it was just something I never researched. 
And then surely enough, the Metrolink actually goes to quite a few places if you really map it out. And mm -hmm. one of the benefits, I guess, of technology is we have all these apps now that can map out routes for us. So we don't really have to strain with, you know, a big physical map in front of us and dot all our routes and all our bus stops and off and ons. Now, you mentioned here just before I pressed record that you don't consider yourself a minimalist because that's kind of like chasing. Um, like your friend is a maximalist, you said, and like he's chasing in one way. A minimalist, he, you know, is chasing in another way. And so minimalism is, sounds like is a tool to help you evaluate your life, make changes and so forth. But it's not really... Um, so, so that it seems like that behind that is some kind of philosophical uh, idea of, of what life is about. Like, if it's not chasing something, then what is it um, for you? Yeah, it's it's a good question. And like you said, he considers himself a maximalist, and I would consider him a minimalist because he's a guy who has a few T-shirts. He does pretty what we would consider erratic okay. um, uh, habits, such as doesn't use shampoo, doesn't use deodorants, uh, has very few possessions, doesn't own a home. And so calling himself a maximus, maybe it's just like a pushback against minimalism. Is that what it is, you think? I, th I think so. His, okay. it's his big criticism is that we kind of get into minimalism because we get in the first place, we got too far into consumerism because mm -hmm. uh, we live in a consumerist society that's built on acquiring and owning. And a lot of the times that can go too far is the argument. And when it goes too far, you can wake up one day and look around you and realize your life is surrounded with clutter and it's overwhelming. And I guess it's the old Tyler Durden saying, right? You're, the things you own end up owning you. Mm -hmm. And you think you buy the big house to have a big house and the big house becomes something that you have to maintain and there becomes a panic about maintaining it and you're worried about a hurricane knocking it down and natural disasters and and paying the real estate tax for it so minimalism is kind of a reaction to that and then there's a danger to that because if you were chasing to the top his argument would be you get in a minimalist you're chasing to the bottom so if there's a race to have the most suddenly you're in this race to have the least and you're you're overthinking everything. You're thinking, mm -hmm. oh, how do I live with only one T-shirt? Mm -hmm. Which is not really the point. The point is right. to, to get out of that mindset that your life is not satisfactory as, as it is. Okay. So, um, right. So to get out of the mindset that your life is not satisfactory. So, um, and then what are you, uh, so it's just to be satisfied with life as it is. Is that kind of... Like, you know, consumerism, where your life is all about things, and that can, that's a danger. A danger of what? Like, um, of just dissatisfaction, or, um, or, or what? Like, what's, what's the ideal that you're, you're wanting? Yeah, I think if you feel like there's something missing in your life, there's this danger that you have to go out and purchase something to fill a void. And maybe minimalism is an argument that there was no void there in the first place, or 
that void that you think you have is really just sort of this uh, compulsion to to continue to buy. Buying becomes almost an addiction or or a hobby in itself. So your hobby is suddenly going online and making e-commerce purchases and you get a little dopamine rush from it and you feel a high, suddenly you feel complete. And then three days later, something's lacking again. Mm-hmm. You thought that the t-shirt that you bought that was going to make everything okay, that's got your perfect sunproof, whatever, or the latest trend or the latest style, mm-hmm. suddenly it's out of style or maybe the color's fading from the sun and you have to go back online and you have to find something else. So, so you don't want to try to fill that feeling of lack with things, the newest gadget or th- neat thing or whatever. So if you avoid trying to, to do that, um, it, it just that lack go away? Like, do you, do, you feel, do you feel like you have any kind of lack in your life? Um, or, or how is it for you? Like, if you're, like there seems to be for some, some kind of need that, you know, it's like, I got to satisfy something here, you know. So if you're not trying to satisfy it, does that mean there's not that need? Or is it satisfied in different ways? Or, or what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm conflicted on this personally because I feel like we live in a very money-driven world. Mm-hmm. And like you and I, I think the last time we met, we talked a lot about forgiveness and Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think one could argue that Jesus spent a lot of time talking about de-emphasizing money, de-emphasizing material things, de-emphasizing clothes, mm-hmm. which is kind of the opposite of how our, our society right now is set up, right? So we might right. be in this constant conflict with ourselves. So we're, we're essentially living in a way that's contradictory to the teachings in the first place. So mm-hmm. I think because we have to kind of live in this world, it might just always be there to an extent. Mm-hmm. Like there might always be kind of this push for more, this, you know, push, you know, this feeling that, oh, you're lacking something. You have to go chase it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know if there's any complete getting rid of it. And I find myself falling in and out of it myself. Um, even over the last six months that I've bought things that I regretted because I thought it was trendy or it would help me. And then I just ended up never using it. Um, so it's not something where I consider myself the ideal minimalist by any means. Uh, mm-hmm. I jokingly say maybe I'm a maximalist too, because I like to have the nicest backpack or the nicest bike, mm-hmm. uh, but it can go too far. And it's not just uh, things people can uh, get into a hobby or, or an interest or a pursuit or work or whatever and try to fill some kind of uh, something, you know. Yeah, it's, we're told that we find fulfillment through career, for example. Mm-hmm. You, you're pretty much told that from a very young age, right? People ask you, what do you want to be? And then when you grow up, people ask you, what, what do you do? Like, that's yeah. your identity. Right. And so you feel this need to, to validate that. Mm-hmm. What do I do? I have to have this really nice answer because that's the definition of me. So it's tough to break away from that. I think when it's kind of ingrained in your DNA from maybe when you're three or younger. Right. 
So, um, like one thought that came to mind as we were talking, you were mentioning the teachings of Jesus, and I think of like that parable he tells about the guy who throws out the seed and it falls different types of soil. Oh, yep. And one type of soil is got a bunch of thorns, thorny plants coming up, weeds and so forth. So the seed takes root, it grows, but then gets choked out. And then when Jesus is interpreting his own parable, he um, he says, um, you know, that those thorns and weeds are like the desire for what the cares of the world and the desire for other things, riches and so forth. Um, so, so there's... It's like, so there's something to be careful of, to beware of, um, and that's the negative aspect. And then there is the positive aspect. I think in Jesus' perspective, it's like whatever that seed is, which he refers to as the word. So I guess it's like um, kind of his message of like the, the kingdom of God and, and so forth. It, it is. It's, it's sort of a, if somebody wants to find heaven or bliss Mm -hmm. we're told that we find it through what we own Mm. right we're told we need to own a house through the marketing and everything like that right yeah Mm -hmm. we're told we need a 401k or we need a really good insurance plan Mm -hmm. and it is interesting kind of looking back and wondering would jesus feel fulfilled with these things and i think one could argue probably not Mm -hmm. he'd probably be fine with very little right now because he was fine with very little in his life right so mm-hmm. he didn't need to own a house at all really didn't need to own much at all so is the th- the the seed or the good thing whatever is it different than happiness because it does seem to be that having money uh, and possessions contributes to happiness up to a certain extent i forget what mm-hmm. it is and it's like a pretty modest amount and after that it really doesn't contribute to happiness I'm just going by things that I've um, heard and so forth. But up to a certain point, like it does contribute to happiness if you can afford a doctor, if you can not have to worry about food and stuff like that. Right, yeah. So um, anyway, I don't know. No, I I think you brought up a good point because it does kind of feel like a juggling act at times, Mm -hmm. wondering how much is too much, how little is too little, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, I think we're kind of touching on like Maslow's hierarchy of needs to an extent, Mm -hmm. because if you don't have enough money for food, it's going to probably affect your well-being and your psyche. Mm -hmm. But once your base level of needs are met, how much more do you need? Mm -hmm. So uh, if I'm going to use my injury last year, which I told you about, I I was hit by a car while I was cycling in August, Mm -hmm. I think there was an enormous benefit to having access to a doctor right? and to having access to physical therapy. Mm -hmm. Right. So I was very fortunate to be in a position where I had access to those things because they allow, because I had those things, I was able to heal and then get back on a bicycle eventually and run again. Eventually had I not had them, then I would probably be limping around right now. Right. Okay, so getting into some of the nitty-gritty aspects of minimalism, um, you know, I think we talked on hygiene before, and it's like sometimes people just unthink it without thinking, just take things for granted. 
like um, you're supposed to wash your clothes every day or two or whatever, you know. Yeah. I don't know, whatever standards people might have. And it might be, you know, do and we might not question those things like, well, do we really need to? And does it really make that much difference? And so forth. So I just got, I kind of got a bunch of categories like hygiene, clothing, hobbies, travel, home furnishings, tech, time, stuff like that. (laughs) So I just thought I'd, and anything else that, that don't fit any of those categories, just any thoughts, but like with, I guess just starting with, with hygiene, um, yeah, hygiene's a good one. Okay. So yeah. what's um, a minimalist just what's a helpful perspective when it comes to hygiene from a minimalist perspective? Yeah. I think this is a fun thing for anyone who's interested in minimalism to explore. Mm-hmm. Because when we talk about consumerism, companies need to sell you a product. Mm-hmm. And the only way they can sell your product is if they convince you there's something deficient in your existence right now. Right. It makes you need the product. Mm-hmm. So we take hygiene. There's, there has to be something wrong with your skin so that you can buy, whether it be anti-aging lotion or mm-hmm. uh, moisturizer or maybe eyebrow regrowth. If, you right. know, so, something has to be deficient in your existence for you to buy their product. Yeah, marketing many times is trying to create a need. Right. And from an evolutionary standpoint, we didn't have 99% of these products 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. So depending on who you are, you can argue human beings have been around for at least probably 200,000 years. So for 199.99,000 years, we haven't needed these things, right? We've mm-hmm. needed water, a decent diet, and an occasional bath. Mm-hmm. So, so how much more of these other things do we need? It's kind right. of a question. Right. And it might be a matter of each person kind of assessing, well, do you find your hair to be satisfactory? Like, honestly, before, before any advertiser tells you your hair is too frizzy or dry or oily or whatever, mm-hmm. Do you think there's something really inherently wrong with it? And I, I would argue that in an ideal world, we all just kind of wake up and we accept ourselves and we say, oh, I'm just beautiful the way I am. I don't really need these things. Mm-hmm. But maybe there's certain circumstances where somebody has a very legitimate issue, right? Or a very legitimate skin condition mm-hmm. in which they need some sort of product or cosmetic to help that. So, right. so it, I think it's worthwhile to to strip everything down and start over mm-hmm. would be my argument. Okay. Uh, that's what I did for myself. I, I personally don't have any hygiene products. I, I use water. I don't have any <laughs> moisturizer. Uh, I use, what is it? Dr. Bronner's. Oh, c- kind of yeah. like a natural soap or something. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Okay. Right. And that's it. That's no shampoo, no conditioner. It's just, okay. Wow. So, okay. so maybe like I, I say, I'm not a minimalist. That probably sounds minimalist. <laughs> hmm. It does. Um, what about like uh, clothing and types of clothing and washing them and stuff like that? Yeah, it's, I think clothing is the thing that most aspiring minimalists are more, most interested mm-hmm. in for some reason. Oh, by the way, uh, my son... 
he lives down in Texas, and there's this company that sells dresses and shirts, like button-up dress shirts. Oh, yeah. And um, if you buy one of their shirts, they're a little pricey, <clears throat> like about $100, I think. And you wear it for, I forget how long, 100 days, and you take a picture of yourself every day, then they give you like a second shirt for free or something like that. I've heard of that company, I think. Okay. It's, it's a wool company, I think. Yeah, wool. Yeah. So both his wife has been wearing the same black dress <laughs> all this time, and he's been wearing the same shirt. But anyway, that's I thought that's interesting. Go ahead. That's too cool. I, I've heard of this company, and I think their founder is a self self-described minimalist too okay and yeah. it's a good lesson honestly people should try it because there, there's a lot of reasons we buy too many clothes mm -hmm. some of them are valid mm -hmm. like some people see clothes as a form of self-expression which right. uh i i find valid it's i i think it's it's nice to have something you feel comfortable with on your body yeah and at the same time clothes can be when we were talking about chasing they can mm -hmm. be something to chase because Companies are telling you that styles are always changing. Styles are seasonal now. They might not even be seasonal. They might be weekly, right? The the bell bottoms are in last week, and then the skinny jeans are in tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So okay. you're chasing to fit in. Um, so there's a lesson to be learned, I think, in, once again, just kind of stripping down and trying to figure out what you need. And for myself, at least, I think that I can be very self-conscious about how other people perceive me. So okay. I think if I were to wear nothing but a black t-shirt every day of the week, there's this voice inside my head saying, people are going to be wondering why you're so boring, <laughs> right? You're just wearing okay. this black shirt. But I think more often than not, the reality is nobody really cares. Right. So <laughs> nobody really notices. And that could be something, a nice lesson that people find from, from trying that sort of experiment mm -hmm. is... No one really cares that you wear the same jeans every day. Mm -hmm. Nobody notices. Um, and you can probably get away with it. Right. Right. Even at work, it's, I'm in the office three days a week. Nobody's ever noticed that I wear the same short sleeve button up 80% of the time. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's a business friendly button up. It's pretty mm -hmm. basic. Yeah. It gets by. So. Mm -hmm. Are there certain types of fabric that um, are better if you're not intending to wash your clothes very often? Yeah. This is something I'm actually backtracking from because okay. I got really fascinated in this. I think the last time we talked, okay, I was really interested in minimizing what I needed and minimizing my washing cycles. Okay. So the argument is wool is kind of the ideal fabric for that because it's got this kind of natural anti-odorant property to it. It's, um, it takes a lot, long time for it to stench, whereas they say cotton is rotten or stay away from rotten cotton. Okay. Once you sweat a little bit in cotton, it stinks real fast. Hmm. Yeah. But I've, I found that my issue with over-pursuing wool was, once again, I kind of went down the rabbit hole of what I was trying to get away from in the first place because suddenly I'm chasing the perfect wool. Right. Right. Oh, I have to have this like merino wool soft right. t-shirt that's a hundred bucks because yeah. it's gonna let me go an hour without or a week, <laughs> you know, a week right. without showering. Right. So it's and then suddenly you're chasing that and then you're looking for the one that's better than that. Suddenly you're a consumerist again. Right. When you were trying to be a minimalist. And I got to a point where I was just 
you know, I was so obsessed with the material Mm -hmm. that I was becoming what I was trying to get away from in the first place. And I just woke up one day and I said, you know, I should have just been cool with those regular cotton shirts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I kind of like tech fabrics and different things like that. I don't know if I have much that's wool, but sometimes cotton just feels so comfortable. It's breezy and it just, um, Mm -hmm. it's a relaxing feel to it. But yeah, it's, I, I think materials are very interesting myself. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, whether it be cotton, cotton certainly I think has its uses. I think when it's when it's sewn right, it can be extremely soft and comfortable. <laughs> and linen has its uses, right? If if you're really into something that can get you through hot weather, you know, wind just passes right through it. A breeze feels like the most comforting thing when it's through linen. Yeah, when it's 80 plus degrees and you're outside. And is linen a natural? What is linen like? I, when I think of linen, I think of sheets and stuff like that. You know, you know I'm no specialist. I know it's derived from plant. Okay. And okay, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I know that it's a very sturdy fabric, so okay. uh, it's something like four, maybe more than that, times more durable than cotton. So it's, it's really tough to break. Like I think old ropes used in ships were made of linen at one point in time. Okay. So a lot of people use it for napkins. It's maybe a little more odor resistant than cotton. I don't know. Okay. But yeah, the argument is that uh, it's it's much more effective for summer wear. Would be. Okay. But once again, it's if when you go too far down, or this is just me. When I go too far down the rabbit hole of materials, suddenly I'm just acquiring all this stuff again, right? Oh, I have to have my perfect linen shirt, my cotton right. shirt, my wool shirt for travel. Yeah. So, and then suddenly you're you're cluttered again, right? So, so, when it comes to hobbies, like sometimes it's almost like a fever. Something just descends upon me, and I'm just interested in it, and it's just what I think about. And normally, it comes with some kind of financial cost, um, and then that that'll phase out of my life at some point, and then I'm kind of left with some clutter, perhaps. You know? Oh, yeah. And um, and sometimes I catch myself like um, I've thought before. Hey, would I enjoy having a motorcycle just for a little recreational? And and I bet you would. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so, but it's just another thing to take care of. Right. And I think, well, I'd probably enjoy it. But you know, I enjoy walks too, hiking, and all I need there is you know just a pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. So I do make some decisions um, when it comes to hobbies um, based on like just the amount of stuff it, it requires. Um, lately, I've been getting into ultralight uh, backpacking, and I oh, cool. found a sewing machine in the basement. I've been making my gear and enjoying it and stuff. But um, and I'm accumulating some stuff, like I'm ordering ripstop nylon, and I'm um, oh, yep. and this and that, just little accessories. and and um, But I guess some hobbies could be a whole lot different like um uh, you know i have i didn't buy a fishing boat anyway at least right you know? but do you have any thoughts about hobbies and and what's worked well in your life or yeah i i've experienced the exact same thing you are mm-hmm. out of curiosity uh do you have any hiking trips planned up or any plans for it yeah um 
Yeah, I got something scheduled with my uh, daughter here coming up, just an overnight th thing. We might go down to, on the Ozark Trail. And, uh, but I want to do more. Um, um, so I don't, I don't really have things on the calendar yet, but I'd like throughout this year to go a few times, maybe monthly if I can. Nice. To do some backpacking. Oh, that's good. It's, I, I've found myself in the same situation. I mean, the backpack right there is it's a weatherproof nylon, and mm -hmm. I use it for cycling. Yeah. And I've, I found myself down the same rabbit hole. Originally, the bike was just kind of this cheap thing to do to get in three miles a day for some exercise. And then as I found myself having more and more fun with it, I found my expenses going up mm -hmm. and the things that I was acquiring around it going up. It's mostly just worthwhile. It's I think fun just comes with a cost. And yeah, right. And it's yeah, there there are some things that are fun that are free. It's, I think, or or very low cost. Right. A game of chess. Right. If, if you're into chess, right. It's that's low cost. Yeah. Yep. If you're into chess, it's a five dollar hobby, baby. <laughs> right. Or maybe less. To just download one of the apps. Yeah, and you could go a long way with that hobby. I mean, it's not <laughs> like you're going to get to the end and say, well, I've gone as far as I can. I'm the best I can be. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, so I think some of the outdoorsy stuff it just comes with a cost. It's if you're into bike packing, right. you have to buy a bunch of weatherproof bags. You have to buy a nice bike. You have to yeah. buy some lights. You have to buy some apparel, a waterproof jacket. Right. So suddenly you're in the thousands of dollars. Yeah. And you just have to ask yourself, did you love it? Well, if you did, then it's all worth it. So probably not. Right. And then maybe at some point you won't like it anymore, but yeah. I don't know. I guess people just kind of grow and change too. Right. It's, I wanted to get really into guitar at one point. Okay. I wanted to, my dream was to quit the corporate world, get really good at guitar and just be this dude playing guitar in a, in a bar. Oh, right? really? Just like wow. a, a bar guy. Did you play in bars? No, I never got very good. Okay. But, <laughs> but, uh, and then eventually I fell out of favor with it. I just stopped practicing. Yeah. Right. And I, I bought a pretty nice guitar at the time and, you know, a music stand and music. And I was taking lessons and all that was, were, all of it were expenses. Mm -hmm. Um, and I could look back and regret it. But I think at the time I was just really into it. I'm not, right. I'm not now. So, yeah. Obviously, it, yeah, it was money down the drain, but. Uh, well, guitars there's some fun times, right? And guitars hold their f value, and you could always sell it and stuff. Do you still have it? No, I actually I did resell it. I okay. sold it to a, a used store, and you never know. It's one thing that's good about music, uh, chess. These are things that you can learn at any age, right? Maybe we're not going to learn guitar as fast when we we're fifty as we were when we were ten, but we can right. still learn it, right? What about traveling, vacations, and things like that? Um, I don't know if this is minimalism or if this is just frugality. You know, like there's yeah. probably ways to get airline tickets pretty cheap if you don't care where you go. <laughs> For sure. Um, and there's places to stay. Like, have you heard of couch surfing? I've I've heard of it. I have some old college friends that practiced it a lot, and they loved it. Yeah, I've never done it myself. So there's things like that, but. Um, Anyway, um, it, it have any thoughts about that or home furnishings or tech or you still, did you get rid of your smartphone? I, 
Yeah, I, I have a smartphone. I got rid of it, and then I got one again. It's, okay. I can't get rid of it. I've tried <laughs> so many times and failed. Yeah. I've given up on it. I would love to get rid of it. The world's just changing. Right. Unfortunately, yeah. I just can't exist right now without one. Right. It's a really helpful tool. Yeah. You know, sometimes work needs something, or yeah. right. you need a barcode for a music show or the airport. Right. It's just, yeah, it's convenient, but... I don't know. I just cannot right. find myself <laughs> sustaining long term without one. So yeah. I try to get rid of it three times now. Okay. <laughs> and eventually I just settled with getting a very cheap smartphone. It was like 49 bucks and I got it on sale online. Okay. And yeah. it has the apps I need and that's about it. But right. uh, travel's a tough one. I personally am uh, less invested, I think, in travel than I used to be. I used to want to travel and see everything. I find it exhausting personally right now. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's I just find airports stressful. Mm-hmm. I don't like them. I don't like the the planning involved in everything, the packing. Mm-hmm. Just kind of a talking about minimal. It's a mental clutter. It's I'd rather do maybe nearby trips as opposed mm-hmm. to far away trips. Mm-hmm. I don't have any desire anymore to to spend three weeks in Indonesia, for example. Hmm. Okay. Uh, but I still do have desire to do like a weekend getaway in Herman okay. or Augusta. Right. Yeah. There could be pretty wonderful places to explore just locally, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, that's, you just hit the nail on the head. It's, I used to think I had to see the whole world. Mm-hmm. And then at some point in time, I realized, well, there's a lifetime's worth of stuff to discover that it, just one and just in the u.s mm-hmm. and then two just in your state that you're residing in right so just in the city right yeah there's a million plus restaurants mm-hmm. trails greenways hiking right. spots so i right. don't think you necessarily have to go super far and have this ultimate luxury vacation to experience something new what about food restaurants and stuff like that um yeah, what's your thoughts about um, all of that? Does minimalism affect how you do all, do that type of thing? It's it's on my mind. I, I don't know if you like restaurants or going to restaurants, but you know, um, now and then, it, it, I'm pretty frugal, <laughs> and compared to like going to the grocery store and buying something, even buying something a little bit fancy, yeah, and bringing it home and making it, it's so less expensive than um, going out and eat that I tended would rather lean that way. But I like the atmosphere of like getting out someplace and being in a new space, new environment. Um, but you can do that. You can do that pretty cheaply. Like for example, coffee shops, you know, it's just right. for a few bucks and you get to sit and chat and kind of a neat building and stuff. So it doesn't have to be an expensive dinner. Yeah. It's, I find restaurants are, uh, sort of, sort of something that are easy to fall into being over-reliant on when you live in a big city. Yeah. It's, and it can be a hobby in itself going and exploring all the different restaurants. And I, I think a part of us likes restaurants for maybe one could argue a dark reason, which is we like the feeling of being served, right? Hmm. It gives us this feeling of royalty 
These mm -hmm. people are bringing us our meals on plates and serving us, right? And hmm. they have to be totally colloquial with us and, and mm -hmm. friendly and accommodating. And I, I think part of us likes that feeling. And restaurants in themselves can be a hobby. And when we talk about expensive hobbies, you know, going to restaurants every day, that's a really expensive hobby. Right. So I, I do find it is nice to go to a new place with good food every here and there. And so I wouldn't say I'm necessarily anti-restaurant. Like I'd be a hypocrite if I said, oh, I'm going to denounce all restaurants. Because I was at a Mexican place last night that I'd never been to. And I had a really right. good burrito. So. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but you can't fall into a trap just like anything else. And maybe that's just, you know, big city living in general. It has its charms and it has its dangers, right? It's, uh, there's a lot of conveniences from living in a place with a lot of stuff around you all at once. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, you can kind of get sucked into it all. Mm -hmm. And cities in general, I mean, there's nothing more consumerist than a city, right? Because yeah. it's nothing but apparel stores and restaurants and attractions, right? Yeah. Sports. Now, I, I have heard people say, um, it's better to invest your money in experiences rather than things. And I guess like going to a restaurant with someone, it is kind of ex investing in an experience, but even there, there could be like more creative and less expensive ways to do that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And maybe people just have to kind of decide based on budget too. Right. Cause mm -hmm. like you, you said coffee, for example, uh, mm -hmm. I think you get the same choice from a coffee shop that you do from a, from a restaurant. Yeah. So, you know, you go to a kind of an eclectic place with a huge diversity of people and it's kind of interesting and you get to right. people watch a little bit and you get to yeah. have a, maybe a new type of coffee or, or try something new or some really good pastry. Right. Yeah. But you're not spending like 40 bucks to do it. Maybe you're spending 10 right. or maybe less. Right. Um, what about home furnishings? Anything kind of out of the ordinary there that minimalism has led you to? So I've been, <laughs> I've been conflicted on this one. And I was just talking about this with a friend yesterday. How much, how much furniture is too much furniture? Because especially with a bedroom, it's the first thing you see when you wake up in the morning. It's the last thing you see when you go to bed. You want it to give you some peace of mind. Does a does an empty concrete room with a <laughs> with a cold draft going through it give you peace of mind or not? Hmm. That's kind of the question. Right. Uh, so you can live with almost nothing in your bedroom. Is it really gonna give you like a creative spark when you wake up, or some sort of motivation? Right. Or do you need maybe a little something else to kind of get going? So, right. To make it homey. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I could get rid of my bed. Am I going to really feel great when I rise up in the morning if I'm just sleeping on the floor every day? I, right. Well, one could argue maybe we evolved sleeping on the floor, right? And beds are kind of a modern thing. Right. But, unfortunately, we're accustomed to beds now, and they feel kind of good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's tough to just get rid of that. Um, right. And it's kind of the same with, with furnishings, right? With art. Uh, yeah. maybe, maybe you have an art piece that really inspires you. Right. Uh, I think it's, if it does, then it's probably nice, or a quote that really yeah. inspires you. I think it's nice walking through your living room and seeing that. Mm -hmm. 
each day. It doesn't have to be like this $10,000 masterpiece, but maybe it's just something that gives you meaning. Right. Um, I think there's probably some benefit in having it um, just being existing with you, coexisting and, and having yeah. it. Yeah. And I've heard sometimes creative people talk about like clutter being a nice atmosphere. Like if you're into books, just having them all over the place, stuck here and there. Or I walked into a violin shop one time where the, uh, the um, it's on Loughborough, um, where they repair violins and sell violins. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's classical music going, the doors are open wide, and there's like just violins all over, pieces of violins, wood shavings, a couple workmen in there with chisels and stuff. And it was like, on on one hand, it you could think of it as a mess, but on the other hand, it was like a really cool place, you know, where mm-hmm. um, a lot of clutter, a lot of dust, I imagine, but um, some environments um, might be... Um, Enhanced, you know, when you're doing like a workshop or creative work or something by just, I don't know, a bunch of a mess maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's, and maybe it is just sort of being self-aware and yeah. kind of understanding the cost, the true cost of everything. Mm-hmm. Because everything you, like if you have a TV, well, the TV requires dusting. Yeah. So, and the TV requires electricity and that electricity is draining your electricity bill. Right. So what is the true cost of your TV? There's, It's not just something that sits there and feeds you entertainment all the time. It's also draining your wallet all the time, and it's potentially making you dumber with its, with its content. And, right. and it's requiring dusting every month or so. Right. So And so everything you acquire is going to do the same thing. Right. right. It's going to require washing or cleaning. It's going to require maintenance. Um, yeah. So there's an investment in it. So I guess mm-hmm. maybe we just have to ask ourselves, what is the return? Right. And right. And just be conscious, self-aware, like you said. That's good. Yeah. Like, like you said, you are interested in technical apparel. Well, maybe if you're on an ultralight hiking trip, for ex- and uh, sorry, if, sorry if I'm not using the right jargon, but if you're on an ultralight hiking trip, maybe there's a shirt that's more moisture-wicking so it's not drenched all the time when you're sweaty. Mm-hmm. Or maybe there's a shirt that's more sunproof than another shirt, right? So something might give you a reward. And yes, you have to put it through the washer once a week, but it's still probably worth the investment because you're getting through your hobby without getting burnt. Yeah. What about time? Um, any thoughts about like um, just simplifying one's schedule and um, being a minimalist when it comes to um planning out our weeks or days and or, or pursuing goals or anything along those lines? Yeah, this is an area where I would like to be minimalist because I do think that there's a value in culture today in being busy. Mm-hmm. We kind of wear busyness as a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. I look at my schedule and how full it is. Look at all these appointments I have. Isn't it awesome? And it's actually not. I find it stressful. So I guess... Uh, a true minimalist, if you consider minimalism just having as little as possible, a true minimalist schedule is no schedule. Hmm. Um, I I would love to get to that point. Unfortunately, I still have to pay rent. So <laughs> so I have to have a schedule, have to have a to-do list. If 
but I do see value in, in not overwhelming oneself. I, I think we just yeah. have peace of mind from having time to ourselves. Yeah. Right? It's, uh, if I say yes to everything, right. I won't have a moment of time where I can just breathe and meditate. Right. So there's value in saying no. There's value in being selective in who you hang out with. If you say yes to everybody, uh, you're saying no to yourself, right? I think that's, that's kind of the, the saying that goes around. But mm-hmm. for example, for me, uh, I was struggling with this last week. I had a cousin who invited me to his wedding. This cousin I hadn't seen in 15 years. And it would have taken my entire Memorial Day weekend to fly out, do the mm-hmm. wedding, fly back. Ultimately, I said yes, and which is you know, something that uh, I... So I took time away from myself to do it. Mm-hmm. It was actually a very valuable experience for me to, to give my schedule to somebody else in this case because we had a very pleasant time and some great conversations. And it was really interesting, I think, um, seeing what kind of people we each became over the three years. And then suddenly I I thought, there's some effort in making an investment in other people. So, so it's, there is a balance there, right? It's, I don't want to spend all my time on other people, right? But maybe it's a matter of just prioritizing yourself and then investing in other people with, with what you have left over. Because I do think we should be selfish to an extent. I think we should, we should look after our own well-being before, before others. That's, that sounds odd to say. but we got to keep ourselves going, um, yeah. I guess, care for ourselves you know, so that someone else ain't. <laughs> right, right. If, if you're not mentally and emotionally well, you're not going to make anybody else well. Mm-hmm. So th- there's value in... in prioritizing your own health you mentioned meditation do you meditate i i consider cycling meditation okay as i guess there's a lot of ways one could meditate but when i'm cycling i'm not thinking about anything i'm nowhere else my mind is completely on the mile ahead the road ahead Hmm. uh my oxygen intake my pedaling It's, it's a very freeing feeling you don't listen to anything don't listen to anything. I've, uh, I don't even own headphones. I've never listened to anything when I work out. Oh, really? Wow. So it's, I know like some people have to listen to, you know, rap music or rock or whatever to kind of amp themselves up. But uh, do you listen to podcasts every here and there? There, there's okay. some that I, there's a minimalist. Po- I haven't listened to it in a while, but there is a minimalist. Right. Pod- I'm sure there's several now. It's, there's a yeah. podcast for everything now. And right. So, uh, but there, there's some good stuff out there. So, so that's probably what I need to become more of a minimalist on, like listening to stuff, because it it's so easy when you're driving or you're doing something that doesn't take all of your attention, just to put something in your ear and and it and it's like I'm only halfway listening to it. Yeah. But and there is a benefit. Like I've I've learned a lot and I've heard a lot of interesting things and have been exposed to a lot of interesting ideas. Um, I could listen to an audio book even and. Um, so there's a benefit to it, but sometimes it just seems like I'm constantly um, feeding stuff into my head just to keep like a little bit of um, something, I don't know what you'd call it, just um, a little bit of uh, sensation going, you know, a little bit of something interesting because like whatever I'm doing um, doesn't seem interesting enough. Right. <laughs> and that seems like a problem. It can... Um, I think over time that can make me feel a little 
scatterbrained, I guess. And then, um, I, and then I think, I'm just guessing, but I think perhaps it causes me not to be able to focus on something um, for an extended period of time. Like if I'm just um, in a conversation, listening to someone doing something, if it's not super exciting, um, my mind might start to drift and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I'm just, I wonder if there's a connection between that and constantly listening to stuff that are, seems interesting to me and just feeding on it, you know, over and over again. I don't know, but no, that, that registers. I, I think so. It's, mm-hmm. I, I think when we talk about a badge of honor and being busy, mm-hmm. we love to multitask. Mm-hmm. We feel like we need to listen to music, but do three other things at once. So yeah. like one reason I don't listen to music when I work out is because I feel like my big criticism of it would be most people who like, I don't have a gym membership. I just ride the bike or run. When I go to the gym, most people I feel listen to music to alleviate boredom essentially. So mm-hmm. the routine is very monotonous. Right. So it's, it's almost just alleviating something really dull. Right. And I'm like, exercise doesn't have to be that boring. You can just have fun with it. And then you don't need the freaking music to, <laughs> to, right. to alleviate something. So in that sense, music is essentially a bandage for a wound. But, uh, and it's the same at work, right? I, I see a lot of people, right. they have to listen to music to, to you know, pour through a bunch of tasks. So you're not really, you're half listening to music and then you're half using it to get through something else. Right. So how many people like just sit on the couch and take some deep breaths and just listen to an album start to finish? Then you're really listening to music. Right. But uh, we always try to do it three other things at once, right? Right. I'm going to put on this podcast or this music while I'm making myself lunch. Right. And then you kind of go in and out of it. Right. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I do it sometimes too. Is that, I'd be a hypocrite yeah. if I said I didn't. Yeah. And I'm trying to catch myself here and there and just take the time to do something boring, just listen right. to an album, not do anything else. So and yeah. then you're really in the music, right? You're hearing all the nuances and uh, instruments that you're not paying attention to. Right. And we have this thing about if this craving to do as much as we can, to get as much done, and really that's not what life is about if we stop and think about it. I mean, we're, life is short. We're never going to get it all done. We'll, yeah, never. We'll, you know, if we keep a to-do list, it won't be complete at the end, you know? Yep, it's, it's going to be mostly empty. Yeah. So it's, but still there, it's kind of hard to get away from that feeling of needing to make progress of like um, keeping up a swift pace of getting this done, that done and so forth. And, and when we do, it feels good. And then, and when we were frustrated, like something, you know, a monkey wrench is thrown into our, our day or our plans. It can be really frustrating because we're not getting the things done. We were hoping to get done, Yep. but really it seems like there's like a, just, allowing ourselves just to enjoy an easier pace and not to, to multitask so much. And I mean, you know, now and then, you know, to choose a time, well, okay, I'll listen to this while I'm driving or walking or whatever. But I think getting away from the habit of it is, is helpful. Um, mm-hmm. Something I'd like to do more of, you know, it, it makes sense to me too. It's, 
I would, I personally would describe it as getting away from the Protestant work ethic, which is, I think it's somehow that kind of became entwined with like modern capitalism, essentially, hmm. is yeah. the chase to the top, mm-hmm. right? We feel like there's always something more. We always have to get to the next level. We always have to get the promotion at work. Mm-hmm. Then you get it, and then you start looking at the next level up. Right. Right. Suppose how many people are just decided, you know what? I've got enough right now. My to-do list can stay empty. I'm totally cool. I'm totally right. chill. I don't have to get faster at cycling. I don't have to get faster at swimming. Right. I can just do it and have a good bike ride. Right. Like um, what comes to mind is like, it's okay just to be ordinary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's the acceptance of being average. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> even if you're the best at something, you're going to be looking over your shoulder mm-hmm. at people who are trying to replace you. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's maybe my criticism of uh, the modern careerist is our accomplishments often come at somebody else's loss and vice versa. And you're not always going to win. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's never going to give you this permanent satisfaction, right? Cause even if you're the best in the world, somebody's going to outdo you at some point. Right. And then you'll have to live with not never being the best again and looking back and saying, well, I was the best at X year and I'm right. never going to get there again. Yeah. That's a terrible feeling. And it's not necessarily true. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's something still related to minimalism and that's kind of like relationships. So, um, there's the idea of balancing going broad and wide, um, like really being into meeting new people and finding out about them. And that's pretty exciting. Or, um, just going deep with a smaller number of relationships and you can't necessarily do both super well. I mean, there's, there's to be, you have to choose one or the other or balance it in some way or something like that. So do you have any thoughts about um, relationships or any kind of philosophy that you try to keep in mind when it comes to nurturing and growing relationships and so forth? Yeah, it's, I see relationships as something that should be kept if we're going to use minimalist and maximalist and with a minimalist mindset, because I don't think we evolved to have a huge community around us. Mm -hmm. I think, and I think a lot of what gives us personal satisfaction is kind of genetic in the sense that what gives us satisfaction will be what we kind of evolved to do. So we evolved in very small tribes and very small communities Mm -hmm. with small units around us. Our mind, wasn't really meant to have 500 friends. Right. So I don't think our minds know how to process that and maintain it. Right. So I, I know people who say that I know people who tell me, um, vocally that they find a lot of thrill and having just a ton of stimulus and a ton of appointments. But I usually they'll say that and I'll observe them having a lot of stress kind of equipped with it. Mm-hmm. So, um, which kind of makes sense because there have been times in my own life where I'll have certain patterns and I'll think that I'm not stressed and then I'll change them. And I'll look back in hindsight, say, wow, that was really stressing me. And I never realized it. And I, I think that could be 
one of those situations. I, I can't remember where. I think it was some Jesuit who said, and I can't remember which Jesuit, but one of them said we, we didn't really evolve to have more than 100 people right, in, our, right. in a community. And I don't right. know where the number 100 came from, but it kind of makes sense. Like Even if you're in the social media, how, how can anybody really keep tabs on more than 100 people in their life? Right. I mean, your mind has to, can only go into so many realms. Right. Yeah, I was just hearing about that just recently, listening to a podcast, talking about a child growing up in a community. And like, there, it was a number a little over 100. But up to that point, it, it, it can be a community. But over that point, like it's, it's less like a community. It's like it, too much to keep up with, like you said. And I guess I've kind of experienced that somewhat in um, a church family. Like uh, a church family, when you're up there, like 100, 100 something, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it's like you can know everybody and feel like a family. Then at a certain point, you know, over 200, 250, whatever, it's almost like too much. You just can't know people and it's like you even stop trying. Right. Kind of. so I don't, but I guess if we find ourselves in those situations, we might just have to be more intentional at like making our own community within a, a, a larger community or something like, I'm not sure, but. I think church is a good analogy. It's like, if you go to a smaller church mm-hmm. and uh, you know, everybody there, you're sharing an experience and you're connecting on some level. Mm-hmm. and you're keeping tabs on their kids and they're keeping tabs on your kids and there's there's some sort of exchange going on but if you're at a church with 3000 people then it's almost like a rock show right where mm-hmm. you're just kind of a a cog in the wheel that's there just watching an event right. there's no connection right yeah um well you know like when we talked before um you, you explained about that experience you had with the, the Chinese pastor, I think. Oh, yeah. And how you, um, you know, he led you through uh, confessing sin and receiving forgiveness and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that seemed to be pretty impactful for you, for you as far as your spiritual life goes. Right, right. So how has that been like since then? Like, what does your spiritual life look like at this point? And um, just how has it changed? Is it still like a vibrant uh, part of your life? Or is it um, kind of not so much in the forefront or just what's going on with you, you know, with regards to that? Yeah, it's, you touched on forgiveness. And Mm -hmm. the last time we talked, we talked about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I found it a profound thing because, as you said, he led me through a prayer of forgiveness, and it was outside of a Starbucks, and it felt very goofy to me at the time I did it. Hmm. And then it ended, and I kind of processed and digested it, and uh, I think the impact grew over time because it was just a lesson, and and I wouldn't say absolution so much as just realizing that life goes on and you can cleanse yourself to an extent you can you can i I wouldn't say 
be reborn, but uh, you can come to terms with yourself and accept yourself and grow from it. Okay. And, and I think about that a lot because, you know, I think the last time we talked on podcast is about Dostoevsky and crime and punishment. And my favorite mm-hmm. part of the book is at the end when the irredeemable character suddenly realizes he can be redeemed. Right, the guy that commits murder realizes that there's even some sort of salvation for him, which okay. is which is like it's the most controversial part of the book because some mm. people say there there shouldn't be any redemption for the guy. Okay, and the author argues that yes, there can, and argues that this person actually learns to have a second life. So, like I haven't done, I'm, <laughs> well, um, there wasn't. I don't think at the time that I was led through the prayer, I didn't think there was much that I needed to forgive for mm-hmm. myself but looking back it's you just become aware of every little thing you say um little things you do that led you to a point whether it be regrets things you wish you did things like that you, you just learn to forgive and and move on and realize it's just a part of you and and that's okay and maybe there's some sort of external body that's saying that it's okay right okay okay um, well, I guess just to kind of, you know, wrap up, um, or, you know, something to wrap up on is just, uh, this is kind of broad, but, um, so, you know, when it comes to like just wisdom for life and just, this is the best way to live. Like we've been talking a lot about that in just minimalism, I guess, because that's certainly touching on like you know, how to live, but is there anything else that, like, any personal philosophies as far as, like, um, that you've just gained over the years as far as um, this is the best way to uh, live my life, this is what it's all about, and that you, something, anything you just try to keep in mind that's helpful uh, to yourself? I can tell you what's been on my mind lately. Okay. Which is... And this kind of came about because when I ride a bike in the city, a lot of the times there's a really rude driver who will honk or lower their window and say something really rude. Mm-hmm. And there's this fight or flight reflex that says, yell back at him, right? Or fight back. Mm-hmm. The truth is you're on a bike. There's only so, so much you can do mm-hmm. if somebody's going to be rude to you on the road. And the other part says, life is... R- this is just my epiphany right now. Life is really short and it's not worth taking the time to feed negativity. So just be easy on ourselves and be easy on other people. And at the end of the day, it just kind of makes the world a better place that I'm convinced mm-hmm. when we do that. So when somebody happens to do that, just smile back and flex your bicep. <laughs> show, them, show them that it's not impacting you and maybe they'll get a good laugh of it, out of it and they'll feel better too, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's, that's just kind of where I'm at right now is, uh, you know, don't take things too personally. Be willing to laugh about it. Be easy on yourself. We tend to be really hard on ourselves. We tend and right. because we're hard on ourselves, we're hard on other people. Right. Life's too short for that. Yeah. That's good. All right. Well, thanks, Matt. I really appreciate the conversation. Yeah, I for think sure. It's a good one. So appreciate it. Mm-hmm.